Father, we pray for your insight, your wisdom that only can be supplied by your word and your spirit. We pray that we'd go away with understanding that we previously did not possess. And we ask that you would use this understanding to equip others. Equip them for bearing witness to who you truly are and not who men say you are. We thank you for your word that guides us. And we ask that you would indeed guide as we go through this. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, I want to go through the syllabus just briefly. Kind of why are we doing what we're doing? And this is... I'm just going to call this uh, session discipleship training. Unfortunately, last week did not get recorded. And last week was on the Bible. (coughs) So if you want to do your own Bible study on that, you're more than welcome to do it. Uh, The objectives of this course are to make disciples. That is the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, 19. And 20, it has that right there written out for you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we may be closer to the end of this age than we realize. Also to prepare Christians for works of service. Now, we don't have a formal sheet that we pass around and say, what would you like to do? But Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So whatever your gift is, who doesn't know or is not sure of what their spiritual gift is? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, each one of us has a particular spiritual gift. And there are the ministerial gifts and then there are For instance, there's the office-type gifts. There's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are delineated in Scripture. And then there are those who um, would be working in the church, a gift of administration, gift of helps. Uh, There are the sign gifts as well, gift of tongues, gift of interpretation of tongues, gift of miracles, gift of healing. All those types of things are gifts. Uh, the gifts of helps is it belongs to somebody who would like to do something but not so much be brought into the forefront. Somebody who uh, is a teacher doesn't mind being in the forefront. And sometimes they say, I don't want to pick up the trash around the church. What are you talking about? And we encourage all of that. You know, it doesn't have to be your gift in order to be involved in it. So uh, you have at least one gift. If you find what that gift is, and you work inside of it, it's not a burden at all. It's when you try to work your gift in some other area that is not your gift. For instance, administration. If your gift is administration, you like to count beans, you like programs on the computer, you like files in their proper order, color-coded. You want to make sure that every year is in order, and if one year is out of order, you look around the room and say, who did that? That's the type of person you are. You have the gift of administration, more than likely, and that's what drives you. And every single one of these gifts is necessary for the proper functioning of the church. If you don't use your gift, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 talks about the operation of the gifts. If you don't use it, it's like an arm being limp and the rest of the body working. 
And you know how that is if you're they're experiencing some type of paralysis. So there are works that God has prepared for you. If you know what your gift is, you're supposed to say, I'm doing that. That is what I'm supposed to do until you can't do it anymore. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. We just keep on working until he says you're done. Okay, so that's kind of how it works. Then, to move Christians from infancy to maturity and from maturity to service or leadership. Uh, Hebrews 5.13 says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Chapter 6 of that same book, beginning in verse 1, says, Let us therefore, or therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Elementary teachings of the Christian faith now, we're going to have a baptism coming up here next Sunday, right? That's what I mean, this next coming Sunday, right? You're going to be there, right? Autumn needs to go. Oh, you just ratted her out. Okay, Autumn, we're... What's that? Okay, you called her out, huh? Okay, good. Uh, baptisms. Do you guys know how many baptisms there are? For those of you who have been to the class, don't don't say Eric. All right. You guys know? There's either eight or nine, depending on how you look at it. And you go, eight or nine baptisms? Does that mean eight or nine times you go in the water? No, that's not what that means. You can be baptized into the cloud, into Moses, into the sea. You can be baptized for the dead. You can be baptized in the water. You can be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the list, it just kind of goes. And you should know about these elementary teachings of the Christian faith. If you don't know about those baptisms or haven't heard about them, well, you're probably still walking in infancy. And it's not a sin to be in infancy. It's a sin to stay there. So we just want to move everybody on. It's our job to make fully mature uh, disciples and God permitting we will do so now the duration of this class every Wednesday uh, 20 25 weeks it just depends on how much we get through after that uh, we'll see what would be on the docket it, the commitment and expectations you should be praying before you come here that you would get exactly what you need devote yourselves to prayer be watchful and thankful you're supposed to try to develop and continue a devotional life that's where you take your Bible hopefully in the morning and you're able to open it up or you get some type of devotion that comes from your phone or something, a daily bread, you go into that and you get just a little bit every day. Who can tell me what they ate three weeks ago on a Friday morning for breakfast? Anyone? Besides coffee. Okay, probably none of you can. Certainly three years ago, she probably can. Huh? Three years ago, you certainly couldn't tell me if your life depended on it, what you ate for breakfast. Some people say, well, why do you just keep on going through the Bible and, you know, it's the same thing over and over. How often do you eat? It's the same thing over and over and it sustains you, right? So whether you have oatmeal in the morning or some eggs or cereal or whatever it might be and you have some goulash at night, it sustains you. And how many times have you had that? 
Do you ever throw up your hands and say, I'm tired of Taco Tuesday. I want something else. Well, sometimes you just get the same food or Mexican food or Italian food, whatever it is. The word is the same way. You just keep on ingesting it. And you're going to have the same meal sometimes. And when you do, you will naturally grow. You don't have to work at it. The fruit is just going to be produced in your life. You also want to bring your Bible uh, folder to put these handouts in, a pen or a pencil. Lord willing, we'll be able to get Pastor Drew McIntyre here, and he'll give you a couple of classes on the inductive Bible study, uh, observation, interpretation, application. It's a great way to get into the Bible and just use only the Bible and figure out what's going on. Um, now this next one, take on some kind of duty at the church if tasks are available, but to be the servant of all, that type of thing. You can be a greeter or follow-up guy. It doesn't matter. You can read the list that's there. But you have to make sure that you are the one that is stepping out. Make sure that you don't feel like, well, Pastor Bill is telling me this, and now I feel guilty because I haven't done anything. Look, I'm not the guilt mobile. The Lord can provide guilt all he wants to, or some people would say, I've been corrected on this before, conviction. And he can provide that conviction. If you know you're supposed to be doing something, just do it. You don't just say, okay, I'm here, God's been telling me, and I know I need to do it. And Okay, and that'll solve the problem. Uh, going on, fellowship. <clears throat> you cannot grow outside of fellowship. A home fellowship is vital. Uh, this is more of a monologue, just like Sunday morning, but I do allow questions if it pertains to the text, or even sometimes if it doesn't. But you cannot get away from the fellowship. Whenever I was going to church at... I started at Faith Chapel, went to Horizon. From Horizon, I went to, um, back then it was Calvary Chapel San Diego, then Horizon, and then to um, Calvary Chapel La Mesa. And from Calvary Chapel La Mesa, I went here. And what I heard at every single church when I was growing up in my Christian faith was be in fellowship. If you're not in fellowship, you cannot grow. You cannot bounce questions off of people. You cannot just find out what they do day to day. You wouldn't want to have just regular conversations. That's why I told you guys, what school did you go to? Tell everybody where you went. We need to get to know each other and who we are and what we like and what we don't like and that type of thing. So it's critical to have the fellowship of the saints. God designed us that way. And you want to participate. You can be the first to arrive, the last to leave. And if you get here and you say, well, there's only three people here. Praise the Lord. Fellowship with those three people. That's the greatest time of fellowship. Just an anecdotal note here. When I used to uh, usher, yeah, I did ushering too. When I did that, I did it with two Navy SEALs. One guy was a UDT. And they would tell me these incredible stories and how God would deliver them on their missions that they would be on. And it, I, was, I was more blessed being out in the parking lot at night with those two SEAL guys because they could kill anybody that came along up in North Park. But it, it was great listening to them and their testimonies and their faith. And I just grew and grew because of that, because you get that one-on-one. -on -one. So I want to encourage you, if there's anything going on at the church, just show up. Uh, subjects, they're all listed there. Hopefully we'll kind of remain in line with this. Some of them will overlap a little bit, like I just gave you some of the spiritual gifts. By the time we get there, in spiritual gifts, I'm going to give you the list of those spiritual gifts. I'll probably hand out a test for you if you don't know what your spiritual gift is. 
And then we'll try to help you move into the area of your spiritual gifts so that you are blessed. You have this joy as you serve the Lord and serve others. Okay, let's go over to the subject tonight, which is the Trinity. Now, not everybody believes in the Trinity. The Trinity is something that is taught in the Bible. But you know the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Did you know that? Did you know the word book or Bible is not in the Bible? Did you know the word rapture is not in the Bible? Well, it is in the Latin Vulgate, actually. It's in Latin. And it's, I think the word is raptural or rapturus. And it stands for snatching away. So there's a lot of words that are in, are, aren't in the Bible, but the concept still exists the trinity is going to separate us from mormons it's going to separate us from jehovah witnesses it's going to separate us from muslims the jews buddhists and hindus it is exclusive to christianity and not all of christianity contains denominations that are triune in their belief about god For instance, oneness Pentecostals. They believe in what is known as modalism. Modalism is the idea that God exists as one and he shows up as the son or he shows up as the father. It's kind of like he puts a different mask on and he shows up. And there are the oneness Pentecostals like that. If you ever go to a Pentecostal church and you think you want to attend there for a while, you want to find out, are they oneness Pentecostals? Or do they believe in the Trinity? Now, as far as their gifts are concerned, their gifts and the way that they operate in the gifts is a little more enthusiastic than a church like Calvary Chapel or like a Baptist church. And so we'll talk about some of those differences when we get over there. Now, as far as God is concerned, our concept of God, it starts with the atheist. I think this is the most untenable position you can take I believe it is the most ridiculous position you can take because it implies one thing. It implies that you are omniscient, that you know what is in the universe. The universe is 13 and a half to 15 billion years old. And as far as the height, depth, and width, if you started traveling now at the speed of light, you would probably never get to the end. It would just keep on going and expanding. And you're saying, I know everything in the universe, and I am quite sure there is no God. You know the Russians said that when they set up uh, Sputnik. We've been there, and there's no God. Not Sputnik, but the uh, cosmonauts went up later. We looked around, and there was no God. So there's no God. It's just like, are you kidding me? You, you're, you, don't, you can't even tell me how many grains of sand are stuck to the sole of your shoe right now you can't tell me that and yet you're telling me there is no god i'm much happier with a agnostic an agnostic says i'm not sure i can deal with that all day long but the atheist it's nothing but pride and you have to recognize that then there are those people who are called deists you guys know anyone throughout history that was a deist go ahead That is correct. Thomas Jefferson. Your kids are so smart, Eric. Can you give me another name? Who is a deist? 
Benjamin Franklin was a deist. George Washington was said to be a deist. Thomas Jefferson wrote his own version of the Bible. Some parts of it he didn't like. He took out all the miraculous stuff and then he published his own little version of the Bible. And so he, they all believe that there is this God, this, this one all-encompassing being that created the universe, but not all of them believe in creation. Some believe in evolution. Some, <coughs> some believe that God is wholly transcendent and not eminent. What that means is he has set up everything and he left. And the other is he set up everything and he's here working amongst us. So deists, they kind of branch out in all different directions. Then there's the pantheist. The universe and God are one. That means you could worship a tree and you're worshiping God. That means you could worship the sky and you're worshiping God. What famous organization does that? Unitarian does. Well, who else? How about you lean on the help of a being higher than yourself or God as you understand him? Alcoholics Anonymous. They will say you can worship anything that you consider God. And that means God is in the entire universe. Now, I, I need to digress just a little bit. <laughs> okay. When it, when it comes to AA, whenever I mention AA and I tell people it's not a Christian organization, inevitably somebody just leaves the church because they're completely offended. Because I know it does help people, but it helps people for this life. It doesn't help people for the life to come. It can actually entrench them in this life and will block their way to the next life. And so you have to be careful about that. They can be pantheistic. Then there's monotheism. Can you tell me the major religions of the world that are monotheistic? Muslim. That's correct. Smart kids you got there, Eric. Muslims are monotheistic. They believe there's one God. Who else? Take a guess. It doesn't. Who? Jews, yes, Muslims, Jews, and what's the last one? Us. We are monotheistic. We believe there's one God. You go, well, you're talking about the Trinity. Yes, I am talking about the Trinity. We'll get into that. Then there's polytheism, where there is many gods. I mean, uh, if you go over to India, what do they have, like 30,000 gods, last count? If you went to Greece, how many gods do they have? They had Zeus, which was the main god, and his son Hercules, which was a demigod. Then you had the Titans, and then you had all these, you had Mercury, you had Pluto, you had all these other, uh, Jupiter, you know, you had all these other gods which were out there. Now, what major world religion besides Hinduism are polytheists? Closer to home. I can almost hear it. Mormons, yes, that's correct. Mormons are polytheists. They are not monotheists. This is why you cannot be saved and go to heaven if you are belonging to the Mormon church. Now, I work for one Mormon. He is like, not an elders are only 16 or 17 years old over there. He's a bishop, yes. He is a bishop, and he's been one for five years, and he's a wonderful guy. 
but uh, there is no salvation in Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, they, you cannot be saved and go to heaven if you follow them. And you can spend your hours and days trying to convert them, but you probably have a better chance of trying to evaporate the ocean than you do converting somebody who is a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness. And they will not see what's going on. The Mormons in particular, they have a saying, as God once was, man now is. As God now is, man may become. Which means you can ascend. And they also believe that Jesus was the spirit brother of Lucifer. That they are equal. And they went to this planet called Kolob. And on Kolob, they decided to create the earth. It gets more bizarre than that. Uh, but it, it just goes on and on. And if you get into their doctrines, and they don't tell you those doctrines right to begin with, but it's just some really bizarre stuff that they're into. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, they are modalists. They believe that there is one God, but they do not believe Jesus is part of the Trinity. They believe that Jesus was originally Michael the Archangel, a spirit being who became a man that God used. He is not the almighty God. He is just a mighty God. And one question you can ask them when they come to your house is, I have a question about God. They'll say, yes. Do you believe in one God? They'll say, yes, we do. And who is that one God? They'll say, Jehovah. And then you can say, was Jesus a God? And they will say, yes, he was, but he wasn't almighty God. So how many gods are there? Well, there's a mighty God, and then there's an almighty God, which contradicts Scripture and their own teaching. There's so many questions you can ask them, but that's just one of them. And so they believe that God, he, he's just one. He shows up as one. Now he, um, you know, actually it's not a, a modalist in the true sense of the word. They just believe that there's one God and that you'll re-inhabit this earth. You come back to this earth to live. And they believe you get a second chance. Even those Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says it's appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment. They say, if you just, you know, become a uh, Jehovah Witness, that's great. If you don't, you get another chance at the resurrection. And I told them once, if you're right, I don't have to choose now. If I'm right, you get no second chance. And this one girl that I told that to, she turned sheet white. And she just kind of stared at the ground for a minute. And the other one started breathing sulfurous breath and talons came out and everything else. But anyhow, uh, and then there's the Buddhists. And they are basically atheists. They don't have a god they don't believe that um, there is a need for a God because, you know, you can have a happy life without God. You don't need God. You don't need some kind of crisis if you just have the right mindset. And they also believe that there is no evidence to support that there is a God. You look out there and you go, where's the, where's the evidence that he exists? Of course, you have to have blinders on not to see the evidence which is before us. But also, um, God was created by us to alleviate our fear, they believe. Because whenever you're in a bad situation, who do you usually turn to? You, oh, God, help me. And they believe that's what you do. And you just have to have this quiet, serene, calm attitude. And you don't need God. And they believe that you will ascend when you die to this, if you're good enough, to this state of oneness with the whatever's out there. That's kind of what they believe. Okay? So there, there are other views that these religions hold, but all of them lack as far as um, being able to save you. 
If you believe in a different God, if you believe in a different Jesus, you cannot be saved. If you believe in a God that is not the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you believe in a different Jesus. Somebody may say, well, when I got saved, I didn't know that. Well, now you're learning it, right? And you can say, that's what the Bible teaches. That's the God I want to serve. And when people say, you know, I don't know that the Christian God is the one God that I believe in. I always go to them and I say, so what God do you believe in? Do you believe in one of the Hindu gods? They say, well, no, I don't believe in the Hindu God. Do you believe in the God of Mormonism or the many gods in Mormonism? Do you believe that? Well, I don't know if I do or not. And I explain to them Mormonism. I say, do you believe in the God of the Jehovah Witnesses, that there is not a son who is called God? Uh, can anybody give me at least one verse, and you may not be able to, but one verse that is a deity verse without looking at your sheet for Jesus Christ? I am the Father in one. There you go. He is the exact representation of his being, right? So that's one where uh, Jesus is, in fact, called God. Now, what does the Bible teach about the Trinity? It is a difficult concept to grab hold of. Again, the word Trinity is not used. But to give you an explanation for it, the closest we can get is there are three coexistent, co-eternal persons that make up God. There are three co-eternal, co-existent, co-eternal persons that make up God. Three personalities, three persons, and they talk to each other. Uh, once my, uh, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody that I know, and they believed that there was God like modalist, and God just showed up as Jesus, or showed up as a Holy Spirit, or showed up as a Father. And I said, well, what do you do with the baptism of Jesus? Who was there? The Father said, this is my beloved Son and whom I love. Listen to him. Then the Holy Spirit came down, rested upon him like a dove, and you had the Son right there. And if the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and Jesus Christ said, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world began. You know, what, what is going on with all this? How do, and when I asked the person the question, what about that? You see all three of them there at one time. And the person responded to me and said, well, don't you think God could have thrown his voice when he spoke from heaven? And I stopped and I said, wait a second. That would mean he would be trying to deceive me to think that there is somebody in heaven that is actually talking to himself. He's talking to himself. That's a deception right there. And God is not a God of deception. So this idea of the Trinity, three coexistent, three co-eternal persons that make up God. And if you have no other definition, that's it. And there is the egg type of uh, allegory and also water that people try to use, but they fall far short. For instance, water. What three um, states of water are there? Yeah, a gas or a vapor. There's the solid and then there's the liquid. But they're all water, right? And same thing with an egg. Which part of the egg is not an egg? The shell, the yolk, or the white? Well, they're all part of it, but if you look at an egg, they're all separate, even though they're one egg, and the God is not like that. The Trinity is not like that. The same thing that Jesus is made up of is the same thing the Father is made up of is the same thing that the Holy Spirit is made up of. They are one in their essence, okay? Uh, going on with this.
<clears throat> Bible teaches that there is one God. Um, do you have this on your... I don't have a blank sheet. Is there an extra blank sheet that I can keep track of as we go through? There is one God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 said that, or says that. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 4. Galatians chapter 3 verse 20. And 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. It says that God is one. Uh, so... We know that there are not multiple gods. We're not polytheistic. And if somebody comes up to you and, like the Jews, believe, we believe in a false god, which is Jesus. It's a different god than they worship. They believe. Even though we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they would say that too, but they reject Jesus Christ. They are monotheists in the strictest sense of the word they do not believe that there is the holy spirit they do not believe or if there is a holy spirit it's just the force that comes out from god and so god is one but in the trinity they're the ones that make up the one the trinity consists of three persons and in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says let us make god in our image when god says let us or maybe man. Did I say make God? Let us make man in our image. Who is he talking to at that point? And some people say the angels. Well, wait a second. It's not even mentioned that the angels are there. Let us make man in our image. And the word for God that is used there is Elohim, which is the plural. So when God's speaking, it would be like me saying, Bills is going to go ride his bike this Sunday. And you would say, what are you talking about? Well, when God shows up there, it's the plural form of God in the Hebrew. And I'm sure the rabbis have something for that. But the Trinity consists of three persons, and it begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it goes all the way through the Bible. Uh, the members of the Trinity are distinguished from one another in various passages. Now, I can give you these passages, but I want to make sure I get through the entire uh, set here today or this evening and each member of the trinity is god the father is god one scripture for that is john six twenty seven. another one is romans 1 7 there are others the son is god john 1 1 john 1 14 romans 9 5 colossians 2 9 there are others on that and the holy spirit is also god uh, acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 uh, those are the scriptures and you can look up these scriptures later because I have so many of them in front of you there. The, there is subordination inside of the Trinity. This subordination means that the Son always does the will of the Father and the Spirit always points us to the Son. That's the way it works. And everything originates from the Father. That's why Jesus is in prayer. He's subservient to the Father. Not that he's different. He just has a different role than the Father. And same with the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness of the Son. And the Son always bears witness to the Father. Uh, each task of the individual members of the Trinity, the Father is the ultimate source of cause. He's the one that brings about the universe. But also... Jesus does this. He brings about the universe. Uh, the Father has divine revelation. Jesus has divine revelation. The Father authors salvation. But Jesus, he's the author of our salvation. And so the scripture says that the Father initiates everything, but the Son does it as well, as well as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into salvation. You don't see Jesus showing up physically. 
you hear the Holy Spirit. He, he prompts you, he prompts me into salvation. Now, going on with this, I gave you the illustration. Do you guys have that um, picture? The Trinity passage on the back there? This is probably the best one, but, you know, it's going to be imperfect. We are trying to explain the eternal God, all-powerful, and do you think we can do it with the drawing? We can't, but it can assist us in our understanding. God is much I think our minds are going to be blown every single second when we get up to heaven because God's knowledge is eternal. It doesn't run out. And so how long are you going to be there? Forever. How long are you going to learn? Forever. How often is your mind going to be blown? Forever. It's, it's just going to continue like that. You know, we, we go on vacation or you jump off that largest swing in the world down in New Zealand. You get this thrill, you know, you bungee jump off some bridge and you get this thrill and you have to look forward to your thrills. And as you get older, the thrill is gone, right? It's not going to be like that in the future. You're going to have one thrill after the other. God is eternal. He, he has everything in store for us. And we'll look back maybe for a second. How could I have doubted how good God is? And when you get to heaven, it's just going to be, do you believe this? And you're going to turn to the other person and go, no, do you believe this? This is incredible. And everybody, it's going to be loud and people are going to be cheering and singing and woohoo. We're all here. Anyhow, I'm getting a little carried away. Let's go on. It's going to be good. Okay, the deity of the Father. I have the scriptures listed there for you. Uh, you can look them up, but I'm going to read them to you so that you can actually hear them as we come across them. Psalm 89, verse 26 reads he will call out to me you are my father my god the rock my savior so there the father is god malachi 2:10 have we not all one father did not one god create us why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another romans 1:7 to all in rome who are loved by god and called to be saints grace and peace to you from god our father in Romans 15, 6, and 1 Corinthians 1, 3, they're just like that. 1 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible clearly states, you have just heard it, you can go back and read it, that the Father is in fact God. Now, deity scriptures for the Holy Spirit. I think people have a hard time equating the Holy Spirit with personhood. And if you can lie to someone, if you grieve them, if you can communicate with them um, all of these different attributes of a human being, a person, the Holy Spirit possesses. If he possesses it, then he is a person, even though he doesn't have a body. And we have a tendency to think you have to have a body to be a person, right? We are only enveloped by our body, but the person is not the flesh. We are going to get a new tent, and that's what Scripture refers to our body as. It's just a tent. You're living inside. And we try to keep the tent kept up, but eventually it fails, and we're going to get a new tent. And so the part of us that is who we are is immaterial, just like God. 
We have this spirit and this soul, and that makes us who we are. And that cannot be changed. It will, you will be who you are forever. And so the spirit is like that. In Exodus chapter 31, verse 3, the spirit filled people. That's your fill in there, number one. Exodus 31, 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, knowledge, and all kinds of crafts. By the way, that is the gift of craftsmanship that is right there. Uh, I believe Steve has that particular gift. Going on. The Spirit speaks in Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. In Acts 13.2, while we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, there he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Now, I don't know how he said it. He doesn't have vocal cords after all. Did he just place it in the minds of the individuals? Did they actually hear it? He can do it in any way he wants to. All we know is he spoke and they understood. God speaks all the time. But sometimes we have a hard time understanding. The next one, the Spirit moved somebody. Ezekiel 2.2, 2, as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. Uh, there are so many that deal with this. In Ezekiel, it's just over and over. Ezekiel 11.1, 1, then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the gate of the house of the Lord that faces east. And so the Spirit has been known to move somebody. Do we know somebody in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that was teleported by the Holy Spirit? Who was it? Philip. It was Philip. Who is he talking to? I, what? Say it. The Ethiopian eunuch. Yes, he was talking to him, explaining Isaiah to him. And all of a sudden God says, okay, you're going. And just like in Star Trek, zzzz, he translated somewhere else now is that cool or what you i believe that when we get to heaven we're not going to need cars you want to be somewhere you're going to go beam me up scotty and he you know it, he's going to take you wherever you need to go it's going to be fantastic i'm telling you i need to keep it down okay the spirit indwelt people ezekiel chapter 3 verse 24 make sure i'm on the right okay then the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, go, shut yourself inside your house. And so when you accept the Lord, he places his Holy Spirit inside of you. The one who moved across the face of the waters. Now, he's in you, but he's also in that person over there, and this person over there, and that person over there. And you might, well, how does he do that? And he's down in hell and he's up in heaven and he's in outer space and he's just everywhere at once i don't know how this is possible my mind my brain gets a cramp just trying to think about it but the bible states it the spirit informs us or he instructs us first chronicles 28 verse 12 he gave us the plans of all that the spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord in all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries of the temple of God and for the treasuries for the dedicated things. So he informs or instructs us. And he is the one in the New Testament that does that as well. He leads us into all truth. 
the Spirit created in Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Uh, Then the next one is the Spirit can be rebelled against. Psalm 106, verse 33. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God. And rash words came from Moses' lips. The Spirit rests upon people. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Also Isaiah 32, verse 15 says the same thing. Till the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field becomes or seems like a forest. And so the Holy Spirit, and he uses this metaphor of like water being poured. When the Spirit pours upon you, you can be filled, and you are filled with love overflowing. And you're not supposed to be filled with wine, but you're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. And if you're walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And how do you get filled with the Spirit? By being yielded to Him. And when you're not yielded to Him, you're yielded to your flesh. If you give in to your flesh, you're not going to walk in the Spirit. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you fill the, the desires of the flesh. You fulfill those. And so that's why He fills us. And He fills us up to bless others. Also, that was the Spirit rests upon people, Correct? The Spirit gives rest. Isaiah 63, verse 14. Like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. And so he provides that. Uh, it's like um, when Daniel was visited and the angel placed his hand on Daniel, he immediately got his strength. God can do that at any time. He can also provide for you rest. If you're sleepless one night, Ask God to calm you and let you fall asleep. You'd be surprised how many times you wake up the next day and go, wow, that was answered quickly, you know. So the spirit was grieved, Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10. Yet they rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them, referring to the Jews. The spirit is eternal. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? You see how these uh, characteristics of humanity are actually in God? It's because God created us in his image. All these things that God does, we have the power to do as well as he gives us the opportunity and the power to do it. It doesn't um, originate with us. The Spirit counsels. John chapter 14, verse 6. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, this one requires meditation <clears throat> most of the time. Sometimes he'll just give you instant insight, and you won't even have to think about it twice. But sometimes you have to meditate on God's Word and. It's incredible to do this. There's sometimes when I'm preparing a message, I'll be writing the message and I'm stuck on something. I come up with a question in my mind and I'm just going, I, I don't get it. You know, I, I need some more information. And these 
I don't say dumb or stupid, but I'm thinking inadequate commentaries, which are out there. You know, they don't have a particular passage, or you'll get some of these one-book commentaries that have the whole Bible in them, and they'll completely skip over that verse. They won't even answer it in there. Why can't you answer that? And they won't do it. And you search every single commentary, and it's, it's not there. And you go, okay, God, I guess I should have gone to you first. And so you go to God, and he, God... Will you explain this to me? And sometimes you get the insight just comes into your mind right away and you just go, wow. Other times, he doesn't give it to you right away. You'll be listening to a preacher on the radio and all of a sudden he starts talking about the exact same thing. You just had this huge question about, gives you the exact answer that you needed and you go, oh, it's a coincidence. It's not coincidence. That's how God will answer us, okay? So he counsels. Also, the Spirit is good. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good Spirit lead me on level ground. The Spirit is holy. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That is actually a song uh, we used to sing in church. Uh, The Spirit is omnipresent, which means He is everywhere. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So he is omnipresent, and that is a characteristic of God. The spirit also intercedes. Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now, some people use this as a justification for tongues. I think there are other passages that are better. Who's groaning? It's the Holy Spirit. Can you hear it? No, you can't. Well, how do you know it's groaning? Well, I don't know. It's a little bit too deep for me. But the Holy Spirit groans and intercedes to the Father for us. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about the gift of tongues here. Going on, the Spirit reveals, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. And it's talking about all the end time stuff. You know, everything that lies ahead for us and all the way going into heaven. Luke 2, 26 says, It has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Of course, that's referring to Zechariah. And uh, the next one, the Spirit sanctifies or sets apart. Um, 1 Corinthians six eleven, And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. The Spirit seals. And when this word seal is used, that's what they used to put on a scroll. They would dip the wax down there and they'd take a signet ring and they'd press the wax into the signet ring. And that showed the authority from which the seal would come from. Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He has been given to us because you go to uh, Discount Tire and you fill out the papers and they give you that paperwork at the end. And that's your warranty 
It's not a guarantee. It's a warranty. A guarantee is, I said it. It's going to happen. I'm going to make good on my promise. So he gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Then the Spirit testifies, John fifteen twenty six. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Spirit is omniscient, which means he knows everything, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, and I've already given you that particular verse, he knows everything. The Spirit comes from heaven, 1 Peter 1, 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Also, the Spirit empowers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And the Spirit convicts. John 16, verse 7. But I tell you, it is... For your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in him. And in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can no longer, or where you can see me no longer. On the last one there, the Spirit gives life. John 6, 63, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the spirit. Now, of course, the deity scriptures, <clears throat> there are, have you ever talked to somebody who didn't believe that Jesus was God? Any of you guys? Yeah? Did you give him a deity scripture? You don't remember? Right. Well, you gave scripture. That's John chapter 20, verse 28. Thomas was a, a doubter, right? He's, he was from Missouri. Yeah, you show me and I'll believe it. I'm not going to believe it until you show me. So Jesus says, okay, and he shows up, right? So if you have these deity scriptures down, it is so great to be able to just let them roll off your tongue if somebody doesn't believe that Jesus is God. I talked to a Christian scientist once. He used to work for me. And we'd get very little work done, but we'd be talking about Jesus Christ all the time. And I had a guy working with me. His name was Tim. And so he'd get it from both sides. And Tim was a Christian too. Uh, we went through Calvary La Mesa together. And so this guy would start talking about Christian science and Jesus is not God. And we're going, dude, haven't you? We actually said that. Dude, haven't you ever read the Bible? In the beginning was a word and word was with God and the word was God. Don't you know doubting Thomas in John chapter 20 verse 28 said, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Don't you know the Romans 9, 5 says, for theirs are the patriarchs from whom is traced the human ancestry of Christ. Who is God overall forever praised? Amen. The Bible teaches, and that's just three of them. The Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in 1 John 5.20, I mean that you can just go through it. And those are the direct scriptures. Those aren't the indirect scriptures. For instance, um, how many saviors do you know? 
one in the Old Testament. God the Father is called the Savior. Who in the New Testament is called the Savior? Jesus Christ. Who is the God of the burning bush? What's his name? I am. And you have in the book of John. I think it's chapter 8. Chapter chapter 8. He has the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the gate to the sheepfold. Who should we say sent you? I am has sent you. You know, he, he is just doing that. And the Jews picked up stones, wanted to stone him. Why? Because he, a mere man, claimed to be God. They understood that he was saying, I'm God. And they're going, no, you're not. And he's going, yes, I am. My miracles testify of me. You know, so, and, and that's why they were under a curse. And that's why they're going to be under that curse until he lifts it. The rapture of the church, the 144,000, they're going to come along. And it's going to be a great revival time for the Jews. So those are the deity scriptures. And there's so many more that are listed there for you. I would encourage you to look them up, memorize at least three of those if you can. And you'll be well on your way to a mature faith in Jesus Christ. So I've given you the Father, I've given you the Spirit, I've given you the Son, uh, deity pass- or excuse me, Trinity passages. Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground." So he's it's plural there. This would be first person plural uh, that is being delivered to us. It is not just first person singular. Going on in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. Who has gone up to heaven and who has come down? Who has gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hands? Who has wrapped up the waters in his cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name in the name of his son? Tell me if you know. This is a perfect verse for anybody who is Jewish. Because they believe in the Old Testament. And you can tell them, do you know that God has a son? They're going to say, blasphemy or they may not say that no judaism doesn't teach that oh contraire have you read proverbs chapter 30 verse 4 god has a son it says it in the old testament and then you can talk about the elohim passages in genesis chapter 126 and 322 hebrews chapter 1 uh, verse 8 this is where the father is actually speaking and he speaks about the son and it even says that But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and the righteousness and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. So God the Father is calling God the Son God, or Jesus, he's calling him God. This is also a good one for the Jehovah Witnesses. The best one for Jehovah Witnesses is John twenty twenty eight. Now, some of the Jehovah Witnesses know about this. Uh, recently I was a couple months ago I was down at the beach and uh, Jehovah Witnesses are always down at the beach and I just I got to talk to them I see them there whenever Patty and I go down and ride bikes I I got to talk to them and so I went up to him and I said can you do me a favor can you read John John 20 28 he goes so what are you after I said could you just read it for me what do you what do you want to prove could you just Read it in your New World Translation. It's one that they haven't changed yet. He would not read it. Just being as obstinate as he can. Now, I think people like that, when it comes to the judgment, if they don't change, God's going to say, remember this? I sent that guy on the bike over to you and told you to read that scripture, but you wouldn't do it. 
And that, that's how he's going to deal with the unsaved. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to accept Christ. God is not willing that any should perish. And he reaches out to every single one. And so this is one that says that the Son is in fact God. Also, First Peter, the last one, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So that is the God we worship. That is the God we follow. If somebody tries to tell you that there is only one guy manifesting in several different positions, if they tell you there is no uh, God, if they tell you, well, there are many gods, not just one God, um, you can tell them or ask them, which one do you serve? You know, that type of thing. So you guys have at least the basics here of who God is. Do you have any questions? Next week. Yes, Cindy. Correct. Yeah. And remember, I, I actually answered that. Uh, somebody had an objection in Revelation, was it 5? 10. I forget the reference they made. But it, it shows God handing a scroll to the Son. And how does he hand a scroll to the Son if he doesn't have a hand? Anybody know the answer to that? It's metaphor. And you have to interpret the Bible with the proper tools, right? Uh, for instance, if um, Mercedes was down in Guatemala and she wrote me a letter in it's Spanish, right? She wrote me a letter in Spanish. If I didn't have the tools, I couldn't understand what she wrote to me except for burrito, baño, burro, uh, you know... <laughs> That's all I'd be able to get out of the letter because I only had a couple of tools. You have to have the ability to understand what is written because the Bible, even though it's in English, it's a different language. And you cannot understand, you cannot grab hold of the concepts unless the Spirit is teaching you. Now that Spirit can teach you by yourself. The Spirit can teach you by a pastor teacher. You know, whoever it is, an evangelist, he can teach you because he has the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is the one who teaches. That's why some people, they just read the Bible. I just talked to a guy about this. He he bought a Bible, and he was really impressed with his Bible. He's going all the way through it. And I think it was to impress one of my daughters. And uh, I turned to him, and I said, so, when did you become a Christian? And he goes, I'm not. Oh, you're not? No, but you got a Bible. Yeah, he goes, you know, I thought I just ought to read it, like you'd read Shakespeare or something like that. And I go, oh, dude, I actually said that. You, you can't just read it as literature and think it's going to have any effect. It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates it. And so you have to be a believer. And I told him about, hey, today is the day of salvation. What if you left this place and you had an accident and you died? You wouldn't go to heaven. I said, have you ever heard the gospel? And I explained the whole gospel to him. And I said, have you ever heard it explained like that? And he goes, nope. And I said, do you want to accept Christ right now? And he goes, here? I said, yeah, right now, right here. You want to pray? And he goes, no, I th- I'll think about it a little bit. And I go, okay. You know, so I went on from there. Anyhow, that's uh, it. Any final questions?
We're all good, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the chance to go through your word, to understand who you are. Help us to mature in our faith. May our understanding grow as we go through each one of these subjects. Help us to retain the information as well. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.